Hi, everyone. This is Martin Willis with the Antique Auction Forum. Our podcast is episode number 105 with Kari Kuxi of Cash and Kari. She's a wonderful guest, and I hope you enjoy today's show. We have a couple of announcements. First, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash auction underscore podcast. You can like us on Facebook, and that icon is right on our website, which is antiqueauctionforum.com. You can listen to us on your smartphone on Stitcher, and we have a free app available right on our website. If you'd like to drop us a line, you can write us at info at antiqueauctionforum.com. Again, today's uh, guest was a real pleasure. We have a number of exciting guests lined up, so please check back with us. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's show. This podcast is sponsored by WorthPoint. Find out what your antiques are worth at worthpoint.com. Hi, everyone. I have Kari Kuxi on the phone of Cash and Kari. How are you doing, Kari? Hi, Martin. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. And uh, I'm thrilled you agreed to be on the show. I noticed we were following each other on Twitter. Absolutely. Yes. I want to ask you how this show has changed your life, the Cash and Kari show. Well, it's kind of been a whirlwind, not kind of, it has been a whirlwind. Um, I've been involved with the antiques business for a long time, and I live in Detroit, Michigan, outside of Detroit, and we had the movie industry here for a while, where we had a giant tax credit, and they took it away, everybody's pretty bummed about it, um, just because it did bring a lot of jobs to the area, and we did have a lot of um, set designers calling us and always looking for wild and wacky things. Mm. So I received an email from the producers of the show, and I thought that they were looking for props initially, you know, because we get a lot of different emails and phone calls. Mm -hmm. And then they actually um, were actually scouting and were kind of stalking me online and (laughs) and saw my company. And, you know, this can be a a cottage business if you want it to be. Um, You can take it at, at your own pace. You know, antiques really aren't supposed to be fast and furious. I mean, they can be at auctions, but, you know, there's a lot to research. It's like a slow business, and you're you're interacting with people, and you're telling stories, and every mm-hmm. piece has a story. But That's right, yeah. With, with the television show, it's really turned it into a high-paced, fast-moving, really interesting um, business. And it's really um, fast-forwarded everything. It's really, you know, it's turned into this giant snowball that's just um, getting larger and larger. And, and that's a good thing. It's just uh, I've had to stay healthy to <laughs> make sure I get, keep my head on straight while we're doing everything. But it really has, um, of course, increased business. You know, it's now international exposure so it's been fantastic it's been a blessing right now i know people will probably be contacting you from out of the area does that happen quite a bit it does happen quite a bit we've actually started an affiliate program to um, help those people because i think estate sales and tag sales and thrift shopping it's not so taboo anymore it's becoming a really hip thing to do so we are getting tons of people calling us from all over the country that need help yeah, it's very green. And when I'm mentioning that, for some reason, when I see your website, that's all I think of. It's a, it's a beautiful website. I don't know who designed it. But, Thank you. Uh, we're actually in the middle of an overhaul. We're going we're gonna to redesign it because um, 
we are growing and shifting and changing, and we're going to we're launching. I actually have a meeting today about it, so we're launching a whole new site soon. Mm-hmm. Now, can you tell um, the listeners basically the premise of the show? Perhaps you know someone has not seen it. Sure, it's it's on HGTV Home and Garden Television, and it's the you know whether it's I'm aligned with. Uh, Pickers, American Pickers, because it's the same production company. Mm-hmm. So American Pickers, of course, are on History Channel, and I'm on HGTV. And the show is all about estate sales, the process, how it works, the customers, the collectors, the collections. Um, we, we sell a lot of things. We tell the stories. And I actually do a refer project on every episode as well. So it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. What I like one of the things I like about your show is there's always a misconception that someone just waves a wand and the work is done. And you yeah. get right in and you show how much work. Uh, it's a monumental task. And I've, I've been in the auction business all my life, and I have a friend who has a real successful estate sale business in California. So I know what's involved. And I was kind of glad to see that come to light, that you really show what, what goes on. That's funny that you say that because a lot of people who own companies, they're like, you show this little snippet of, snippet rather, of, of the work that's being done, but there needs to be more about that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a lot of background work that's involved. You're basically transforming um, the place. And, and you're right, it's a lot of hard work. Even without the cameras in our face, it's a lot of hard work, but it does have its rewards. Speaking of uh, cameras in your face, uh, does that make... Does that make it a lot more difficult to do your job? I am a um, a fast walker, fast talker, fast mover. (laughs) My brain moves very quickly. So with the television cameras, and I don't mean that to pat myself on the back. I just say that I'm I'm a fat. I move quickly. I like to get my work done. Mm -hmm. And with the cameras, everything has to go very slow because they want to capture every moment or they need to get their, their macro shot, which means all of their detail shots. So you have to slow down, and that's the hard part. It slows us down a little bit in terms of getting the job done. So it's like, okay, cameras, are, we're getting ready to wrap. All right, now the, really, now the real work begins. So <laughs> it slows us down, which, you know, it's, it's hard. Now you're in your second season now, are you? I just wrapped my third season, actually. Oh, boy, pardon me. I'm sorry, I didn't know that. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. no, we just wrapped our third season, and new episodes are going to start in July. I was going to ask you what your filming season is. Six months. Um, it's uh-huh. 13 episodes, so it takes quite a bit of time, um, you know, to, to shoot all 13 shows. Mm-hmm. Now, do you ever have to do, like, a retake and stuff like that? You must have to do a lot of that type of thing. Um, you know, a lot of this, a lot of the show is not, not a lot. 99% of it is not scripted. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a format that we follow to make sure the episodes are cohesive and look the same. But um, the only thing that we do is, is do what's called um, days where we shoot, um, it's called pickups, where we actually stitch the episode together mm-hmm. with um, storyline, you know, information, mm-hmm. you know, because sometimes you don't capture that live. There's a lot going on during a tag sale, which I'm sure you're very well aware of that, um, you know, you missed some things. But so those are lines that you, you put that fits the, together the episode. Now, have you, do you ever walk into a place and realize that something should go to auction? that a lot um you know there's a local a couple local auction houses here in town auctions are fantastic um also online auctions 
mm-hmm. know, too. And we, and we can help, we help the customers out with that. Oh, you do that yourself? We do. Now, I read on your website that you have 25 employees. Are these all part-time employees? They're all, most are all part-time, yes. Uh-huh. And you just use them? Um, I know uh, I saw one of your episodes that you had two estate sales going at the same time, which must be crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to and, say the least. Yeah. So I'm sure you use all the people for something like that. Yes. And we have, a, we have a warehouse that we run sales out of every weekend now in the summer. And we have a store. Um, and then we have estate sales. So you can imagine it's a constant shift. And then there has to, there has to be people that do the paperwork and get people paid. So mm-hmm. um, got a lot of part-time help, help. You just mentioned your warehouse. So let's say you have an estate sale and you have, say, 25 or 30% of it, the items left. Do you actually take them to the warehouse and try to handle them for the people after? Sometimes we do. It really is circumstantial. A lot of the time mm-hmm. the family wants to handle that on their own. Sometimes the family wants to get a tax write-off and they want to do a donation. So it really is circumstantial. But sometimes, you know, we will help them out and keep trying to make them more money. Mm-hmm. Now, I noticed you're really pro-Michigan, and you were offered to do the show around the country, and you wanted to stay there. Um, is there a lot going on in your particular area? There are a ton of estate sales here, and what's happening, there's a lot of estate sale companies cropping up. Um, it's, really? I, yeah, there really are. There's, um, we were looking last night, actually, on some on uh, one of the sites, estatesales.net, that we've loved, and we were, like, looking around, and one of my girls said, um, I'm a button and vintage fabricaholic. So <laughs> um, everybody in this business has some sort of, you know, passion. I love a lot of things, but yeah. she said, oh, we need to go to this estate sale. We need to go to this estate sale. And they were having the sale on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, which is a really different way of doing things. And I said, oh, that's great. What's the company? And it was, you know, some brand new company. But um, I, it's, we wanted to initially stay here in Michigan because Michigan, I don't know where you're located in the country, Martin. Are you in the East Coast? I'm in the East Coast in Massachusetts, yes. Okay, perfect. I'm headed to Brimfield next week. I All right, wait. so am I. Yes, <laughs> I'm excited. Um, but Michigan has really been hit hard with the economy, especially mm-hmm. Detroit. You know, we have such a bad rap, and people think of Detroit, they're like, oh, it's the murder, murder capital of the country. And, you know, there's a lot of history here in Michigan, a lot of history. So I wanted to stay here. We really needed it here, and we've showcased it very well, I think. And we're not opposed to traveling in the future. It was just something that we really wanted to do initially. Mm-hmm. I heard you say in one of the shows or something, there's that people collect everything, and I agree with you. There's, there's just about anything you can possibly think of there seems to be collectors for. Do you, uh, have you gotten any, any type of situation where you had like, uh, well, I know there's a show about the hoarders and stuff like that, where someone has just collected, say, bulldogs or whatever, like thousands of them. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. I've seen it all. There is a collector for everything, you know. You feel like you walk in somewhere and you're like, and, somebody, and one of somebody on the team will say, well, who's going to buy that? That is, that's unbelievable. <laughs> and they'll say, oh, well, you know what? You just gave that so much energy that somebody's going to walk in. That's going to be one of the first things that sells. <laughs> and, and it happens. But we do walk into circumstances where you're like, wow. They collected um, 
10,000 pieces of milk glass. I mean, yeah, it happens all the time. And we find that when we're talking to people, they'll say, um, I'm afflicted. I'm afflicted. I, I just started collecting this, and now I can't stop. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love the hunt for it. And it's so easy to accumulate. And uh, people just start collecting, collecting, collecting. But what, I think what's happening now with the state of the economy is people are calling and they're saying, we really need to downsize. You mm-hmm. know, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've kept all the stuff. It's time to let it go. So it's I'm interesting. You see it both. Yes, are you? Oh, yes. I mean, hear that a lot. Yep. It's hard to judge uh, what the future is of this whole business. And um, do, you see, do you see a lot of young people getting involved in Michigan? Well, that is my hope. I hope that the show helps younger collectors. Um, I do see a lot of young people coming to our estate sales and warehouse sales. So I'm going to say, yes, it is such a wide range of population from really young folks to people in their 70s and 80s that are coming out. So um, I'm going to say, yeah, there's a lot of young people, but we're trying to inspire younger people to get more involved. I mean, vintage is the hip thing, so right. yeah. I think it will care. It'll catch just, on even more. If you could just call everything vintage, we'd be all set. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was in California for a number of years and recently moved back to the East Coast and when I was out there working at an auction gallery, when we got really nice pieces of cut glass, we had two people that were the buyers only, and they were both over 80. And it makes you wonder if just these type of things are just going to die out as far as uh, collectability. But you know what happens? You see these trends happen. Um, mm-hmm. you, I'm sure you watch Antique Roadshow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll showcase something, and then it'll start this little mini trend of people buying and looking for those items. One of the episodes uh, for season three, we go in and liquidate an unbelievable collection of cut glass. We sell it for a very, very fair price. And I think what happens is when these shows, when shows showcase items, it piques people's interest. And it happens when, when the episodes air, even on reruns for us. We'll get emails and say, I'm really interested in collecting this. How do I go about doing it? Where do I start? You know, I think that that starts a trend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of like taxidermy right now. Who would think that taxidermy would come back into play? And it really is. It's all over the place. I was just in Austin, Texas, and there was this whole vignette all about crazy and wild taxidermy. So mm. I, I think there are trends starting, and I hope, I hope so. I hope that happens so things don't just die out. I remember uh, back in the 70s someone saying the reason brass beds were so hot at the time was because they're featured in like some major magazine. And so I do agree. I think that um, you know there's definitely a stimulus um, when something's featured either on TV or a popular magazine or something like that. And uh, so I hope that continues. I, uh, I hope so, too. Yeah. Uh, what is the most unique thing you've ever found, not necessarily on the show, but ha- that you've ever walked into a place and have found? I think that's such a hard question because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in, and I'm asked that quite a bit, because I'm so into this and passionate, I love it. I love finding out what things are and what they're worth and what, what they were used for. But maybe the most bizarre, weird thing that maybe I still think about how bizarre it is, is like a bloodletting kit. Oh, yes. You know, yeah. like things like that. And, but the, the most amazing thing about those items there are crazy collectors for it. Absolutely. <laughs> they're, they're called, called uh, dollar. Sc- scarificators, I believe they're yes, called. Yes, 
yes. Yeah. And uh, uh, I did an auction back in 1989. The, the uh, person that originally was in the house was a doctor. And I went through his ledger, and he was, uh, every other day he was either uh, extracting a tooth or bloodletting. You know, it was such yeah. a common thing. You know, they used to think it would cure just about anything. Yeah. <laughs> We've come a long way, haven't we? Yeah. Well, in some ways. <laughs> yeah, yes, in some ways. Good point. Good point, Martin. Good point. Now, um, I love the vehicle you drive. It looks like a reproduction, and let me guess, is it like a 1959 Dodge panel? It is a 1958 Dodge D100 panel truck, and all the guys love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, but is it a real one? Because I saw the interior shot, and it looked like a new vehicle. Well, the, here's the deal. Here's the secret of the, of the Dodge panel truck. We shoot um, B-roll of me driving the truck. It is such a loud truck that we cannot <laughs> interview in the truck. <laughs> so oh, those it. interior shots are not obviously what the, what the panel truck looks like inside. I got it. So I kept thinking, boy, did, are they making a reproduction of this truck? I, I was just trying to figure that out. And I bet you do get a lot of questions about that. We do. We do. We get a lot of emails, but they love it. They love it all the same. Mm-hmm. Now, you said you just wrapped up season three, and I understand once you get past season two, you're, you're pretty good for maybe even up to five years. Do you think there'll be uh, continuing seasons? Well, I certainly hope so. There's talks about it, so the new season will air in July, and they, they look at numbers and television, of course. So we're hoping. We, we have a ton of fans. People love it. They're constantly asking us, when are new episodes coming? So mm-hmm. our, our fingers are crossed, of course. Right, right. Now, I have been to many, many, many estate sales throughout my career, and I know that there are some diehards out there that will get there and stand in line at 2 o'clock in the morning. Do you, do you see this happen in your Oh, my area? gosh. Yes. And actually, <laughs> people are sleeping in line. Like, if, they're, if there's something that they absolutely want, and they're waiting, they're sleeping, they're getting there as early as possible. I've had people actually pay other people to wait for them so they could get there and, and shift over, do, you know, do, like, do waiting in line and shift. Wow. So um, they're diehards, and thank goodness there's diehards out there because we need them. We need them for business. I'm finding that people are really reinventing um, themselves, though, in terms of because there's so many, and maybe this is just a Michigan thing, but they are taking bids over the phone. They're putting all the photographs up for an estate sale, and then they're taking bids to the items, and then they say that we may sell them ahead of time if the bid is high enough. So I thought, wow, that's a really bizarre way of um, conducting estate sales. But the goal is to sell everything. So, um, you know, maybe it's working for them. But I just came across that the other day. I thought, oh, wow, that's a really interesting way of doing it. So this is nothing you participated in. This is something that you've seen happen. Yes, I was just reading about it. But they're saying, okay, well, if you want to, if you want to bid on an item, um, if your bid is high enough, we'll sell it to you, and then we'll remove the picture, and it'll be taken out of the estate sale. I tried I to do that with the Tiffany lamp in San Francisco, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to get the interest up so you can move it? Well, I just wanted, well, no, I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to buy this Tiffany lamp that I saw. Oh, you week. wanted to buy it ahead yeah. of time. And I contacted them and they were, well, you know, they just wouldn't do it. And, you know, it was gone by the time I got there. And I was there early, but there were 
like 100 people in front of me. I understand you let them in, like, say, 10, 20, whatever it is at a time, and that's what a we, lot of people do. Yeah, we do. Otherwise, it just gets too crazy. It's mm-hmm. too tight. And people, I've seen one of the people, and you've seen this in the episodes, I'm sure, people run. They're running to get yes. into the house. And when they get in the house, they're like, well, it's such a, such a, you know, I love it. People will actually print up all of the pictures, you know, especially the ultimate estate sale diehards. So they'll print up five different estate sales they're going to visit that day. They circle the items that they're interested in, and then mm-hmm. they're writing down the prices and figuring out, like, what they're going to buy. It's just, it's great. I love it. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I have a really good friend, and he's one of the top New Hampshire antique dealers there is. He was up in the Lakes region, and he saw a sign that said estate sale, and there was a, a band, like a, like a rope across where no one could get in, but they could look down on the lawn and see everything that was there. And he saw a clock, and he knew the clock was only worth $200, and he goes, why am I staying here? The clock's worth $200. You know, he deals in things, you know, in excess of, uh, I mean, in the six-figure range, <laughs> and he's looking okay. at this $200 clock, and then he said they cut the line, and he found himself running down to the clock, and he says, why did I... Why did I do that? It's all psychological. I have no idea why I did that. It really is. It's you're, you're putting. I think it's just this supply and demand thing, and you have all these customers, all these folks who could like snatch this item up from you, so you want it. It's like the heat of the moment type of situation. But, um, but I've gotten caught into that, just like your friend. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I have to have it. I have to have it. And then you're done, and you get it home, and you're like, why did I do that? Yeah. This is- crazy. I know but. your heart starts beating and you know all that's I've had all that stuff happen where you see something in the other room you can't get to it and it looks really good and you're like oh my god you know you almost want to push the people out of the way. <laughs> and then somebody's like touching something that you want to get you oh, want yeah. to take. Get your hands it, off and move away buy it or get away. <laughs> I know it is so funny it is so funny how it works. We're funny animals so. yeah. <laughs> we are we are. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you, um, what was your childhood like? You were involved, was your family involved in, in antiques? How did you get interested? They really weren't involved. My, they were. Um, my mother was a teacher, so she had every summer off. Um, and, and my point of bringing that up is every summer she would drag down on her own antique hunt and treasure hunting. And we grew up, I grew up in an old 1907 Sears Roebuck home. Mm-hmm. And she, of course, had it decorated um, with all antiques. It was lovely. And I spent a lot of time with her on the summers, and she's the oldest of 10 in Kentucky, so we headed down south quite a bit and hunted for, hunted for treasure, as we all say in my family. And then I spent a lot of time at my father's parents as well. And I think, I think my father's parents were really more the people who got the antique um, love in my blood, the love of antiques in my blood. My grandfather was a picker before we ever even used the word picker. Mm-hmm. Every day I was there, he was picking garbage, and he'd bring something home or, or many things home. And his verbiage, you know, he'd say, Grandpa, what, what'd you find? He'd bring it in, you know, all proud. And, and he'd say, what'd you find? Where'd you get it? And he'd say, alongside the road. And, you know, no, really, what, 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 he's like, alongside the road. My grandfather would pick up anything and everything that he thought that he could, A, find a home for, B, fix up and make better, and eventually find a home for, or 
see something that he could maybe extract parts from and use for something else. Um, you know, my grandparents went through the Depression. Yes. I'm sorry, you, you've mm-hmm. dealt with customers and clients, um, maybe in the auction business, that have, that have gone through that. And they save everything. They look at everything in a different fashion. I mean, you know the type of people. They have mm-hmm. hundreds of paper and plastic bags. Exactly. They have all of the aluminum foil that they've ever used. Mm-hmm. And they just look at things in a different light. They had an immense amount of gratitude. And they taught us about that. And, and luckily, I spent a lot of time with them. And my, my grandmother was, you know, always sewing and handcrafting and crocheting and needlepointing and baking. And I was right by her side every step of the way. And I'm so grateful that I had that experience. Mm-hmm. And especially with my, you know, with my grandfather teaching us, like, look, this isn't garbage, and you should never throw things away that you can use and, 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 and help somebody else. Maybe somebody else needs this, and you can give it to them. You know, it should never be, just be thrown away. And he would just shake his head in disbelief because we are such a throwaway society. Mm-hmm. He, he was sickened by it. Well, we really are, Yes. We are, and it's it amazes me. I mean, I still trash pick. <laughs> you know, one of the one of the first times I was ever driving with my um, my fiance, we were driving down the road, and I said, "Slow down, slow down. Let me see what what's on the side of the road here." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I'm garbage picking right now. <laughs> slow down and pull over. There's something good over here, you know. And I remember trash picking at table and chairs, and he thought I was, you know, he he didn't think I was crazy, but he was like, "Well, okay, this is." interesting but his parents were old school old school italians who didn't have anything and came over um in the 60s so he got it but it's just a different way of looking at things i love to buy things new of course but 98 percent of everything that's in our home is secondhand mm-hmm. everything except for a few rugs our linens and obviously not all of our clothes are secondhand but um, everything else is pretty much secondhand. So mm-hmm. I I look at things in a different light too, and I'm I'm hoping that more people. I think that more people are. I think they're becoming more cognizant. I think they're they're having to do it because of the economy, you know, especially where they're budgeting right. and not 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 going out and spending, you know, the amount of money that we were doing uh, ten years ago. Exactly. So what actually got you into the business, say, after you got through high school and perhaps college or whatever? How did you actually get into? Well, I've always been an entrepreneur. You know, I always was always starting up little businesses or selling things. Um, I, I think the main thing that triggered it was the launch of eBay. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to go to Europe. I wanted to take a trip. And this was back in the day, think back how long ago, where you'd have to take your pictures on your camera, take the film out, take it to the drugstore, get your, get your film developed, wait for it to be there, pay for it, bring it back, scan the images on the scanner, crop them, fix them up on the computer, and then list your item online. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of stuff you know, clothing and things that I'd accumulated. And I thought, you know, I I bet you I can sell this online. I was shocked. I was looking. Now, this is back in the day when when eBay just started, and it was amazing. Did you sell online during those days? Yes, I started right. I I just, things that I wouldn't normally put into auction, I tried it. I think it was back in 97 is when I started, and it, it took forever to list one. It would take you almost an hour to list one item. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's but like it two minutes done. 
Yeah, it was it worth was, it because, well, the prices you'd get back then were crazy because it wasn't, you know, so there wasn't, you know, a hundred million items on there at the time. There was, you know, hundreds of thousands of items at the time. and It was very, very different, mm -hmm. very, very different, and it certainly has changed over the years. I mean, it's a great tool, but it, it, it's changed because a lot of things have flooded the market, but I started selling on there and made around just under $3,000 to go to Europe, hmm. and um, I said, you know, I, I know it just made sense, like things just started clicking, I was going to estate sales, and I wasn't having a good time, I wasn't, I wasn't greeted, and I wasn't, it wasn't a pleasant experience, if, if um, I'm saying this in the, in the right manner, um, I guess customer service is lacking just a little bit. You know, I mean, you're going into, it's a weird circumstance. You're going into someone's home. Yeah. You're sorting and touching through all their belongings. It's a weird experience to begin with if you've ever done it. Mm -hmm. And you want to you wanna be comfortable. You, wanna, you want people to reach and say, hey, how you doing? Here's the story. Um, so you feel a little bit better about things. And that wasn't happening. And I was a young person going in. And I thought, you know what? I know a little about a lot of things, mm. so it just made sense for me to become a liquidator and start um, start doing that. So I was a um, an entrepreneur, like I said at the time, and I had studios for artists and musicians, and I would rent out space to them, and, I, and then I had warehousing space in the back for myself. So I started running warehouse sales. I would do buyouts and, you know, buy things in bulk. Mm-hmm keep things that people needed to sell, also selling on eBay. So I started doing um, big warehouse sales, and then I would, then I was slowly but surely gaining customers for estate sales. And then it just kind of it kind of grew from there. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm doing estate sales all the time. So I just kept my nose to the grindstone and decided I wanted to bring a fresh, young energy to the business. And that's how I started. And um, here I am. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Served yeah. you very well. Uh, yes, and uh, I want to go back to what you just said about customer service because I think that's, you know, I understand when someone is sell doing their own estate sale and they may, may be a little bit nervous. I mean, you know, say a, a relative passed away and they're there. Um, but a lot of times you do go into an estate sale and you never even get eye contact from anyone. You know, I mean, it's really nice when you go into a place and the people are friendly and, you know, do you have any questions or you're much more apt to buy and I bet you have a lot of success that way. Well, it's, it, people, you know, I think nowadays, not nowadays, I think always, people want to connect with other people. They want to tell their story. They want to interact with you. They want to feel good about spending their money and they want a good customer service experience. I mean, I go back to the stores where they treat me very kindly. They talk to me. They talk to me about my purchase. What are you buying for? Are you looking for a gift? Do you collect? Blah, blah, blah. I go back to those places and I think it's people want to connect. They don't want to go to the big box stores where they're just a, um, somebody with a purse or a wallet coming in mm -hmm. and spending. They want that personal experience. So I wanted to create that type of experience. Um, a lot of people that come to the estate sales say, I have so much fun when we come and shop your sales. I'm like, well, that's what we want you to have. We want you to have fun, and we, we keep them coming back. We give them fair prices, um, you know, fair serving our customer and serving our end customer, and just to keep that cycle going, and it's working. So if it ain't mm -hmm. broke, don't fix it. So right. <laughs> it's working for us so far. Yeah. So. Now, I know from experience in the auction business, 
that a lot of times people say consigners, they try to get a little too much control of a situation. Now, that must be the case a lot of times in estate sales. And um, does that ever get into a touchy situation where you have to ask the owner of the property to um, either back off a little or perhaps take a drive or something like that? Does that ever happen? Well, what happens when when you're going in initially is you really you're, we really explain to the customer you you need to understand fair market value, and and we understand that there's sentimental value and that gets mm-hmm. in the way a lot. But mm-hmm. um, you're dealing with a sensitive situation. You know, when you're yes. in this business, you really have to conduct it with grace. You know, you're going in and you're you're touching and and talking about and 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 sorting through somebody's life and somebody's stuff. And mm-hmm. that stuff meant a lot to somebody at some time. So it's a, you, you need to be very, very cognizant about it and, and maybe hand-holding and helping that customer along the way. Um, it happens, you know, not maybe, it happens quite a bit, but they need to feel comfortable. And, you know, a lot of times we'll pull up research and say, okay, here's the reason why we're pricing it like this. These mm-hmm. are closing auction results for the last 90 and 120 days. This is why we're pricing it. Now, you need to understand the estate sale price. You know, we'll, we'll be discounting it a certain percentage off of that, but this is the reasoning, and typically that will help them with the whole process. Right. You know, I think it's just a matter of feeling comfortable because it is such an uncomfortable situation most of the time because most of the time somebody is dealing with a loved one who's passed and they've been left an entire house full of stuff. So... It's a process, and, and you know, I don't think we've knock on wood. We haven't had two, um, we haven't had angry situations, but it's mm-hmm. more of just a, a hard, um, you know, pulling up someone's heartstrings situation. Yeah, yeah, those are always tough. Those are always. Mm-hmm. Tough. Can you share with us some of the internet sources that you use for research? Sure. Um, one of the we use WorthPoint mm-hmm. almost on a daily basis. Love that company. They're great people. Um, we use Terapeak as a great resource for um, everyday items or, you know, everyday antiques. I don't know if that makes sense. It's kind of oxymoronic, but everyday items that, or items that you can find more commonly. You know, we, we will use Terapeak research, um, which, is, you know, eBay is a little bit not as reliable a resource because of it's so flooded, mm. but it gives us a general idea. Um, and we also use a couple of art websites. Mm-hmm. Art. I'm gonna. I'm gonna flub this one. I think it's Artnet. Yep. I have them all bookmarked. There's Artnet. There's Artfact. Ask Art. We use Artfact and we use Artnet. We use um, Dictionary of Marks for oh, identification. Yes. That's mm-hmm. more for identification purposes rather than um, values. But they do have a little value guide. Um, mm-hmm. Those are the main ones yeah. that we use as of right now. And, of course, we have a huge library of reference books that we use quite a bit. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I sold my reference library, <laughs> which I never thought I would do, but I, I just wasn't really using it. I just kind of rely. You know where you can find some great information is in old auction catalogs. That are, oh, yes. You know, there's some great information in there. But, you know, it's like... It, you kind of have so much at your fingertips these days with all these websites. But, again, as you mentioned, um, with eBay, not all the information is accurate. So it's a little, can be a little misleading. Right. I love books. You know, what was the company that just went on a business that made me really sad? Um, 
big company, big reference book company. Oh, yes, selling um, in, the, in Chicago area. Uh, yes, I can't think of the name of the company at the moment, but I have quite a few of their books, and I bought a ton of their reference books. Mm-hmm. I still love having a book in my hand and, and going through the pictures and going through the information. I mean, I love the Internet. It's great. You can get online and get on there very quickly and look through things, but I still love. I still love books. I still love those reference books. So mm-hmm. I will never sell my library. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> well, it had to do with cross-country uh, transporting the cross country a few times, it was enough. But uh, what do you think the future is going to be as far as what you do? Do you think it'll keep alive? Do you think you'll stay real super busy? Um, well, people downsize and pass away every day. I think that there is more stuff than than we can contain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't really see it slowing down. Yep. The only thing I may foresee is, you know, prices may be fluctuating quite a bit with the with economic times and economy, but I don't see it slowing down because it's just a busy business. Everybody always wants to sell something, especially mm-hmm. when the economy is down. People want to sell stuff, you know, and you have to hustle a little harder to make the same amount of money, but I really don't see it getting, um, getting slower. If anything, it's just getting busier and busier. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that kind of stuck in high prices in, say, you know, 2005 or something like that, and they're a little slow to let go, but coming to reality is a little tough. I've seen that. Now, I just want to ask you, when someone wants to watch your show, Cash and Kari, um, can you tell, tell the audience uh, how they can find it on TV? Sure. You can actually watch full episodes on HGTV.com, but there are reruns on Wednesday mornings right now. It's a full hour, 9 and 9.30 a.m. You can DVR if that's too early for you or if you're working, like most folks. Um, And then the new episodes will start in July, and they're telling me that we're going to be back on our Sunday night slot at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Ooh, that's a nice time slot. Yes, it's great. Yeah. It's great. And you mentioned your affiliate program earlier. Can you elaborate a little more on that, please? What's happening is um, that tag sales and estate sales are becoming more popular with the show and with all of the antique-relevant shows that are out there. And people are wanting to learn about this business. I think they're wanting to kind of repurpose themselves, if you will. So we decided we've, we've gotten so many different requests from across the country of how do I get started in this business and how, you know, what do I need to do? And we decided to start a training program, which basically um, folks can be trained and sign on and, and buy into our affiliate program and become a repurposed estate services wherever they are, wherever they live. We just signed on um, Fort Wayne Indiana. We've got a couple in Orlando, Florida. We've got somebody in Grand Rapids, Michigan. My mother has decided to become an affiliate. So really? It, Did yes. you charge a full price? <laughs> well, it is my mother. So. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> I know, I know. So it's really catching on, and we have um, a lot of people in the works that are interested right now. And we, we bring our affiliates on in, in season three, which is fun. We're doing some oh. training with them on the show. So um, that's really going to um, be interesting to see how far it takes off with how many folks want to want to start their own estate services business. That's great. Now, yeah. where, what is your website address? I have two website addresses. You know, the, the name of my company is called Repurpose. 
But if you want to know about the estate services side, it's repurposedestate.com. And then I also have repurposedshop.com. And if you can't remember all that, anyone can go to cashandkari.com, and that will take you to either one of the sites. I'll have those linked up on right underneath this podcast as well. Great. Thank you. So you've been absolutely wonderful. It's been a real pleasure. And who knows, we may bump into each other in Brimfield. I'll know who please, you are. <laughs> please do. Martin, I'm going to be over. Um, there's a large event. It's, it's a large tent called the Brimfield Tweet Up. Come over and see us. It, it should be really fun. There will be about 250 bloggers that will that'll kind of be their landing spot. Um, I'm really excited about Brimfield. I'm actually going and buying. This is a pure buying trip. I'm not working. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really excited to take my truck and trailer and see what kind of treasures I can find. Not your old truck, but your new truck, right? The new truck, yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a large trailer that I'm hoping to fill. So. Oh, hey, good luck. So this has been great. Thank you so much, Kari. Martin, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yes, so this is Martin with... Kari Kuxi, and we're signing off.